Trail and Ultra Runners, what is going on? What's happening? Welcome to another episode of the Coopcast. As always, I'm your humble host, Coach Jason Coop. And on the podcast today, for a second time, we have CTS's Athlete Services Director, Dominic Gunto. Dominic is one of the people in the space that I have come to trust the most about what really creates the best coach-athlete relationships, and also what is happening in the endurance space in general. For those of you that missed Dominic and I's first conversation, this conversation is going to be a little bit of an extension of that, where we talk about what athletes should actually be doing as they're trying to navigate this entire landscape of what is going to be the right coach and the right coaching solution for them, whether it's going to be a static program where you work with an individual coach or you go with a coach that is working with a coaching group. We kind of run through the gamut of all of those. And if you happen to talk to Dominic and get set up with one of our CTS coaches, what you should come to the table with in preparation for that experience so Dominic can help you out the most so that you can get the most out of your coaching experience. I also wanted to talk to Dominic a little bit about what he is seeing in the space, what he is seeing from athletes that are signing up, what events are they signing up for, and his insight and perspective on this might actually surprise you a little bit. And finally, I wanted to peel back the curtain a little bit with what does it actually take to become a CTS coach why are why do we feel our coaches are the best in the industry and a little bit of the business side of coaching a little bit of the sausage making as it would be and i think that that is valuable for athletes because not all coaches and not all coaching groups actually act alike we are unique in the fact that we have a large coaching group but we're not the only uh we're not the only group out there and we're certainly not the only solution out there and so i thought just by peeling the curtain back just a little bit about what we experience and how we handle our coaches and how we handle our coaching department. I hope that it informs the audience so that if they are trying to make these choices for themselves, they can come to the table fully informed. While it might seem like this podcast is a little bit salesy, rest assured that my goal at the end of the day is I just want all the information out in front of athletes so that you can find the solution that is going to work the best for you. All right. So with that as a backdrop, I'm going to get right out of the way. Here is my conversation with CTS's Athlete Services Director, Dominic Gunto. Kind of a blessing and a curse having this window out here because you see how nice it is. Yeah. I have a hard time if I come up and I come up and work up here every once in a while. I look outside and I'm like, God damn, I don't want to go out there and go run something. Yeah, I need but I need even to after you've done a run, right? Yeah, totally. That's the way I am. Well, you know where my kitchen is. I mean, I'm literally looking at that road going up to the to the reservoir. You could go out for a six hour ride and come home and making lunch and you're watching people like, I should be out riding right now. <laughs> All right, let's start this podcast before we both go out and run and ride and things like that. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks for coming by. Right on. Uh, last time we did this, dude, like was COVID. And you live oh, yeah. two miles down the road and we're sitting in our houses like, we can't go over and see each other. It's go. so weird to look at where we've come <laughs> from. I mean, I, I, I and I'm not saying it was it was wrong, 
uh, all, all the things that we did to kind of protect ourselves. We didn't know any better, but we sat in the house for six months. We never left. We didn't, we're delivering groceries and, and now, um, we look back on it like, what, what were we doing? But I don't know. You know, what's crazy about COVID It's kind of related to what we're going to talk about is I think both you and I, we thought shit was going to hit the fan from a business perspective. Like we were going to batten down the hatches and just like, okay, you know, let's here plan for here. It comes, let's plan for, you know, a 30%, you know, reduction or a 50% reduction yeah. or whatever. And after it was all said and done, we were up. We were, but I, I, I will, I will say that we did at least, at least as CTS did a lot to mitigate that. Um, we brought on the train right membership. Yeah. Um, we did the whole, uh, uh, you know, we did a lot more, a lot more content, yeah. delivered a lot more to the athletes and stuff. But um, the ones that it's kind of, it was kind of like the, the, the financial situation during COVID, right? The ones that took a fall was huge. Yeah. And then for most people, it didn't really change it. Yeah, it was very polarizing, right? Like service industry got cranked. I mean, I just thought that we're so, and we, you know, you've seen this before. We're so heavily dependent upon the events, or I guess at least we think we were so heavily dependent on the events. Yeah, yeah. And there's a natural, you know, ebb and flow with the events in terms of new athletes that we see and new athletes that are athletes that kind of go away after their events and things like that. That the events just getting shut down from one day to the next, like literally the lights right. turning off. That I think that was the the kind of eye opening moment in that whole ordeal. Well, interesting segue there is, and that would be from a coach standpoint. When you look at at the mentality of an athlete, a good coach is going to make an impression upon that athlete that it's not about having to have an event come up. Like your, 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 your being an athlete is not dictated by, uh, by events that you have on the schedule, events that you've done in the past. You can be a, an athlete and a damn good athlete, um, you know, from a, from a result standpoint and success that you've had and gains you've made and so forth without having a, a race result or a, a number to go with that. Yeah. Our coaches got better during that time because they were kind of like forced to turn on the area of coach development that's probably the most underdeveloped in their, you know, arsenal, which is this like psychological, you know, counselor type, right. you know, maybe you'd call them the cheerleader. We talked about that last sure, time on yeah, the podcast, yeah. right? I mean, a lot of the coaches, especially myself, that are more like technically oriented, we definitely had to shift that around to more of a psychosocial element. And I think it was from a, from a professional development really, really good because we didn't have these like event anchors that, uh, that the season kind of revolved around, forced the, the coaches, including myself, to really focus on other areas in which they could engage athletes because the natural way that they would previously engage them, which were the events, were all of a sudden gone. I thought it was cool. Well, the, the other cool thing too was was there's we. When else are you put in a, a situation other than maybe a few months during the winter, where you don't have an event that you have to peak for or whatever, yeah. where you can really work on things? I mean, that was when I went plant based. 
and it's two and a half years now that, but when, when else would, it was the perfect timing. I wasn't going out to eat. There wasn't doing a lot of social things. There was, and I will say that on a daily basis, I look at my Strava results and I definitely was far more fit during COVID, but <laughs> damn, I'm not, I missed, I missed, I missed the COVID days. <laughs> Just jump on a trainer and hammer out two hours or whatever. No, I was outdoors. That was, that was awesome. Oh, but, man. All right. Well, before we kind of quit that rabbit hole, since it's more of the past now, uh, before we go to, to, too, too much further down, I want to give the listeners an opportunity who are either new listeners or who are not familiar with the previous podcast that we did, just a little bit of background on who you are and what you do and maybe why we're so chummy other than the fact that we live just a couple miles away from each other. <laughs> um, why are we chummy? I don't I know. know. <laughs> no, other than the question. fact that I, I shacked up in your basement for my first month out here. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, gosh, I, I've been with CTS. Um, I'm in my ninth year uh, with CTS. Started in 2013. Are we going to give you a plaque after a decade or something? I don't know. I'm hoping for like a like a cheap watch or something. <laughs> <laughs> I can arrange that. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've I've been I've been matching athletes up with 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 coaches for for that long with CTS. Um, prior to that. Uh, I was a race director, uh, sold my events to uh, Lifetime Fitness. Um, so I spent years as a as a as a full time race director, production director, uh, you name it, uh, triathlons, cycling races, running races, and uh, I was also a bartender in Las Vegas, uh, special operations in the Marine Corps uh, with a reconnaissance unit. Uh, a little bit, a little bit of everything in there. Um, that, that brings it down to me being the, uh, the, the friendly voice, uh, on the phone with CTS. And so everybody, every athlete that has kind of come through our system over the last nine years has had some interaction with you. So uh, whether it's email or, or phone or in person or yes. That, I mean, and the reason I point that out is first off, that's thousands of people. If you want to go back and trace it back, you would probably recognize way more than most people would realize because you have a pretty good knack for that. I'm always amazed at your on-call memory about athletes that have signed up five or six years ago that all of a sudden come out of the woodworks or whatever. And you're like, oh, yeah, I remember I signed you to blah, 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 and we talked about your dog or something like that. Yeah, You know, I, I was at uh, SPT Gravel last um, last August, and... Um, the second person, maybe it was the first person that I ever had on the phone at CTS, um, walked up to the table and introduced himself. Now, we've talked several times since, um, but it was interesting. I met his son. I knew, I knew everything about because so he was one of those people that it's interesting. When people call, you say hello, and they, li- they, they don't even say hello back. And that this is, this is 99% <laughs> of the time, they immediately fall into giving you their entire athletic history <laughs> and what type of bike they have, what type of running shoes they have and everything. And I laugh sometimes because I want to say, what if I was just like receptionist? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, he was, he was one of the first calls. He's still with CTS. That's but, awesome. Uh, That's yeah, awesome. It but, happens all the time. So fundamentally though, you're the first person typically that, athletes will come into interaction with 
And I'll let you, I'll let you get into a little bit more detail. But the way that I have always described it to people is you are match.com between coaches and athletes. Like you play the algorithm behind whatever match.com's algorithm is, however, yeah. good, I, wouldn't, I don't even know, however good or however bad it is, you play that algorithm from a, from a human perspective and guide that athlete through the process of not only, I'll just say what, what solution is the best for them. And that solution is combination of coach and coaching package and whatever else kind of comes into the sure. mix. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting how much athletes, I think, in, in all athletes, uh, whether they be runners, triathletes, cyclists, um, have this this different perception on what of what is valuable information right. in assigning them to a coach. They want to come straight in the door and say, this is how many days a week I run. These are the shoes I wear. These are the events I used to do and everything. Or, or with cyclists, it's, this is the bike that I have. And, and I literally can just, I just go through the list and go, I just, I just, it, none, none of it matters. None of it matters. I, I hate to say it. You know what matters? What matters? Um, I'm married. I have three kids. I have two dogs. I own two businesses. I, I have to, I, I travel. I am diabetic. Um, those are the, you know, I've had a, I've had a knee replacement. I have had a meniscus tear. I've had, those are the things, um, or, uh, you know, I used to be in the military or I, I was an elite athlete in the past. Those type of things, I don't care what your times were, but those are the type of things that are going to help me make a decision on what coaches they should be working with because let's face it all our coaches are as as diverse as the athletes they all have one thing in common the athletes they want to get better and they want to be better versions of themselves and i hate that term but it it it, it makes sense and all the coaches also have their own way of presenting the information and if, if, there's, if there's an athlete that has talked to me on the phone, they've heard me say this a million times, and that is all of our coaches have the ability to provide you with a plan that's going to help make you faster. But that plan is only as good as your want to, to hear what the coach has to say, to trust what they have to say, um, to, to look forward to speaking to them each week, to sharing with them your information, how you felt on the ride, and be honest about what you had to eat or didn't eat or drink, and all that information. So it's so the the only thing that's important is your the the first thing that's important, I should say, is your relationship with the coach. The other hard part is for me to just say, just trust me. Yeah. But to even become a coach at CTS, you you've been through you, you have to have the knowledge to do it. Otherwise, you, you just don't even show up at the door. Well, and that's kind of what I come back to a little bit is, is you get the opportunity to do that personality-based match because of the infrastructure and the educational focus and kind of the ecosystem that we've built. Because like you said, you know, anybody's going to be able to give you the plan. And we do that. I mean, that's a coaching exercise, right? Sure. Where we give a case study out to three or four people and we have them build 
programs for those three or four people, and they're pre- they're pretty darn similar, kind of by design. You know, they're going to have certain nuances and things like that. But the main difference that they're that the athlete, at least on the end of the day, is going to experience is the personality that's 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 behind that the delivery. Yeah, exactly. So you kind of jumped into that. I mean, there's going to be there's going to be people listening to this podcast that are interested in coaching right? Whether it's with us or with another coach, and we'll kind of go through the pros and cons of that kind of like later. But fundamentally, if they're thinking about something like that, what would you encourage the athlete to start to, when they're coming up with their list, right? They're taking notes of this podcast. What notes should they be taking in terms of the things to look for that's going to be the right coach for them with not just within our ecosystem, let's kind of like broaden it out across like all of coaches, which you've got a good scope of that as well. I, I think it, I think you start with the same type of exercise that people do for a lot of goal setting. And that would be put together this perfect scenario these are my expectations from a coach type of situation. Why do you want a coach is, is, should be a, a big question that athletes have to ask themselves. Why do you want a coach? Is, is, are you just getting a coach so that you can do a sub-24 at Western States? Or are you just getting a coach uh, because your friends have a coach? Uh, or are you getting a coach truly to have someone to communicate your, um, your, your journey with and have someone give you guidance and to be accountable to and so forth. I'm not saying those are the only reasons to have one, but you need to decide what your, what your reason is. Um, and with that, then you pick out in a perfect world. This is, these are my expectations from a coach. I want to, I want to talk to my coach twice a week. I want my data analyzed twice a week. I want to ask them questions and I want a response that day um, of, you know, for, for my questions. With that, then you start to decide what, what package level you're at. <laughs> um, and then you can, you can kind of start working down the list uh, for, you know, what, what coach, which coach that's going to be um, and so forth. One of the things that kind of constantly comes up when – I I meet athletes out in the field is this concept of I'm training for X. I want a coach that has done X in order to guide me through the process. And you, (laughs) I hope everybody watching the YouTube could see the (laughs) eye roll right there. It's not the best camera angle for it, but I'll give you my perspective on this. So before you started working with CTS, um, we had this uh, kind of uh, developmental philosophy with our coaches that we taught them how to coach across all sports first, all the endurance sports, so cycling, running, triathlon. And then they kind of like went up into the specialization ladder. And that's still somewhat, you know, still somewhat true, but I would say to a lesser extent. And the, the kind of the practical outcome of that is that a coach like me with a running background, I worked with runners and cyclists and triathletes and things like that. And for whatever reason, the Ironman athletes, you could just, you couldn't sell them on it. Like it, it was, do not pass go. I'm, I'm doing Ironman Lake Placid. Do not pass go if this coach has not done Ironman Lake Placid him, his or herself. 
And I used to always bring up the example of Nick White, who coached Craig Alexander mm -hmm. to multiple Ironman World Championships, having never done an Ironman himself. Right. Still, there's like the buy-in for that. We just do not pass go. So I kind of ask you, who's at the forefront of you've got to like ultimately satiate the customer demand, right? How important is that? And how do you kind of like walk that line, realizing we're talking to an ultra running audience here. I want to do Western States. I have to have a coach who has, has done Western States or has some sort of intimate knowledge of that race. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, the exercise that we, we'd done internally and you, you completed the form um, where we asked all of our coaches to list all the races that okay. they've competed <laughs> That's right. in That's right. yeah. and the races yeah. that they have coached for. Yeah. And it's amazing to see yeah. how many coaches have had so much success at coaching athletes at events they've never done before. Yeah. Um, and especially from ultra running, because I, I feel like ultra runners and, and ultra running coaches are far more in tune to um, uh, terrain interpretation, looking at maps, understanding a, an elevation profile, um, all of those type of things, more so than, I think more so than cycling, where they're specifically looking at, at power data and, and power output and, and, and so forth, where the course is so much more uh, um, the, the focus yeah. um, from, from the coaches. So with that, to have to have done the event is 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 less of a is less of a uh, a worry for the athlete knowing that the coach is going to put you know that type of work and is looking at things that way. Um, the other thing is, uh, I think there's also something to be said for the coach that hasn't done an event putting far more work into yeah. researching that yeah. event then uh and and i often say that about new coaches too or sometimes yeah. well somebody will say that coach is a little bit new i'm just not sure if if they're going to be the right coach for me and i and i say to them worst case scenario take that coach at select for like two years because you're going to get ultimate service yeah, yeah, from yeah, that yeah. coach yeah, yeah. they're going to do so you know what i mean the yeah. just the uh the the attention to detail um, is really important, but let's face it, uh, just because, you know, a basketball team coach hasn't coached against every team in the league doesn't mean that they can't create a plan to win against that team. Cause they, they watch video and you know what I mean? They, they, yeah, they've yeah. observed, it's no different than, than a race course. You look at the weather, you look at the, you know, the, the terrain, there's so much information on, on the internet to, to gather from that. And, uh, it's not always that important. And, but at the same time, we're always going to have athletes that regardless of your experience, you talk about Nick white and, and I use basketball as a reference and, you know, you look at how many little, little, little short Italian, you know, basketball coaches there are out there that you're like, dude, that guy, that guy was never a starting center anywhere. <laughs> Mike Krzyzewski, um, right? Exactly. Final four time. Yeah. He's kicking ass again. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, you, you have to, you still, you just have to know the game. Yeah. 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 You have to know the game and that's, um, and 
how, how many, how many great athletes out there are not, does it doesn't automatically make you a great coach? Well, I've always, I've thought that in some ways, and I see this in the coaching space a lot, even with our coaches, and I'm always pretty quick to correct it. If you have one singular experience and particularly if that experience is you, it is really hard to coach somebody else through that same event. And that's even more heightened when they're in a different like time group. You're saying because you're only seeing it one way. Because you're only seeing so if you're a you know, we're gonna use Western States as an example, right? So if you're a twenty hour Western States finisher, a good finisher, right? And you all of a sudden start coaching somebody who's just scraping the cutoffs. That's a totally different race. They're going through the sections of the course at totally different times. They're hitting the peaks of the of, of the temperature at totally different times. They pick up their pacers at like the same point of the race, but a different time frame from when they actually leave Olympic right, Valley. Right. All of those elements, if you only have that one singular reference point and you're used to like relying on that, it's really it's really it's almost more I always think it's more valuable to have four or five athletes that are in different time groups and kind of learn from that versus you actually doing it. And I, and even if you want to put the cherry on top, we might want to talk about this as well. If you go to the race and you crew for all those athletes and then you have that eye on it as well. And you see how things transpire for the 20 hour finisher, the 24 hour finisher, the 26 hour finisher, the 30 hour finisher, like all those different groups. It actually makes a really big, I I, I think it makes a market impact. I've, I've often thought about that, that, your own personal experience. It, it's human nature. It, yeah, it's yeah, human totally, nature that if you're totally. if you're if you're an eight hour, yeah. uh, you know, Leadville mountain bike finisher, and you're coaching someone that's going to be a twelve hour finisher, it, it, you're. It's almost impossible to not yeah. to want to put yourself have to put yourself in that situation. You may have no idea what it's like to do it in twelve well, hours. You're like, oh man, call my client make, is easy. You know, yeah. hope, hope pass. We'll do Leadville run. Yeah, yeah. We're hope only, pass, we don't worry about that. Hope, one. hope pass. Like, oh, backside. You know, it's just it, it'll take you an hour to get up. It's like, well, yeah. If you're, you yeah. know, if you're like in the top twenty percent of the race, maybe. <laughs> exactly. But if you're like, you know, scraping thirty hours, then it's going to take you a lot longer. Yeah. Than that. <laughs> So the exercise that we did, all as coaches, our entire coaching department, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because we have to have that data because the athletes are requesting it. But yeah. what I'm kind of hearing from you, not to put words in your mouth, is at the end of the day, the broader array of experience that the coach has across many athletes and many races is far more important. Yes, yes. Yeah, the, the, the coaches um, that... It's not always the coach um, that has run the most events. It's the one that has has had the opportunity to coach so many so many athletes through so many events. Um, you know, Max Shute has never done a an ultra run, yeah, and he has coached almost more events than a lot of our, than several of our our, our ultra running probably our, more than our, me, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, yeah. events uh, uh, alone, but uh, so, yeah, I mean, especially if, if you've got the science, you've got the understanding for the sport um, and uh, I will come back and say, you're absolutely right. Triathletes are the, are the, are the, are the <laughs> they are definitely, I'm not going to say they're the worst, but they, they are, they are, they are the most um, demanding on 
you had to do the event because somehow particular is, uh, I think is the best word. Yeah. It's so, okay. I've thrown triathletes underneath the bus many times on this podcast. There's I've probably jettisoned that entire audience. They're, they're, they're probably, I think they're probably used to it by now. Yeah, they are. They deserve, they deserve <laughs> it though. Okay. So you've got this personality based match, right? And, or what is a, yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I meant to say. A personality based match, not entirely, but it's kind of like based on personality Take me through or, and take the audience through your workflow because I think it's magic and I don't know how else to describe it to people. When I get on the phone with athletes and, and some, or I meet them out in the field or whatever, like, tell me how it works. How, like, how does it work when I come in the door? I'm like, you, know, you talk to this dude, Dominic, and he somehow figures it out. Like there's this big leap between step one and step two. And I don't know quite, like I can't, I'm not very good at eloquating it. So Tell tell the listeners your process, and then I'll just regurgitate it anytime anybody else. What asks I'm me hearing about you it. say is, I I am I am magical. You're magical. Yeah, um, <laughs> you want that out of me? You go ahead. You got it now. Uh, you know, so it doesn't happen. I don't I don't get a chance to talk to all the athletes. Um, so it, what what I think this is a good forum for is to say when you do fill out a coach consult on the website. We, we may not talk. We only talk if someone schedules a call with me or they call into the office. So I'm taking the information that, uh, that gets provided uh, when people write things up. So if you're, if you're looking for a coach, don't just put, I'm doing Leadville and Never Summer and, uh, you know, I don't know, and, and a Death Valley half marathon or something like that. <laughs> And then not put any information. So because I have, I have nothing to go off of. Yeah. Um, and I oftentimes will reach out to somebody with another email that says, you got you to gotta give me more. How many kids do you have? That's yeah, kind of exactly. weird, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Do, you have, do you have a dog? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and uh, so the, the process is I, I initially will look at the, at, at the events to, to ensure that this is a uh, – this is a, truly somebody that's going after ultra running versus half marathon or marathon distance. Because yeah. um, there's there's obviously a, a, a difference. Yeah, yeah. I know a guy that wrote a book that talks about that. Yeah, big difference. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and then from there, I, I I really jump into the the information that they've provided. Again, uh, most athletes do a really good job at giving a couple of paragraphs of. This is what I'm looking for. These are injuries I've had in the past. These are my goals. Um, and uh, I, I wish that I got more of this is what I expect from a coach um, because that, that to me is it provides e even more information. But with that, um, uh, I either have – I have coaches all segmented in my head um, as far as their strengths are concerned. There's nutrition. There's strength. There's, um, there's the, I just totally want to hang out with you on the phone and give you some <clears throat> AJW, um, and, uh, and give you, <laughs> and give you uh, some really cool information and, and get you to the finish line. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm going to use, you know, my, my history to, uh, to help you through yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. so everybody has that. Um, so with that, there, there's, there's also a reality here that, that we still have to talk about. And there's the business side of, we only have so many coaches. Um, we definitely have, uh, more coaches than probably any other group out there. 
um, they're not all always available. Yeah. So it, it is, um, I would be, I, I'd be lying if I, if I didn't say, you know, sometimes you're, you're not, you're, you're getting, you're getting the best of, of what is, what is available. I can't, I can't give Jason Coop to every select athlete out there. I can't, you know, or Corinne or whatever, and not everyone is available. So I'm looking for, uh, the coach that best matches those needs. Um, and I also, and I've had a lot of success with this, but I like to provide um, to, especially from people that have uh, that I haven't spoken to, yeah, um, two really different coaches, two really different communication styles. Now they both may have strength training backgrounds or nutritional backgrounds. Those things, those components are 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 look or what the athletes looking for. But sometimes from the way that the person's uh, provided the information, uh, I don't, I don't know whether they're the, you know, uh, you know, really outspoken communicative type of person or somebody who's uh, a bit more reserved. Um, uh, age helps uh, for me a lot to know uh, a little bit about, about mm-hmm. the athlete has, you know, so there's a difference between, you know, the expectations of a 24 year old runner and a 67 year old runner. Um, and I typically won't match one with the other. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, so that, and then I will search, uh, uh, the events, uh, cross-reference it on that list, um, of all of the events, because let's face it, if I, if I can find someone that not only has the personality match, but has also done the same events. Why? Yeah. Why? Why wouldn't you do that? And we're online coaching. It's remote coaching, so you're not meeting your coach. But again, if your coach lives in the same state, or if there's an opportunity to to consult with a coach that lives in the same state, great. You get the opportunity to maybe meet at a race, or 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 do your your weekly call over a cup of coffee one day. Uh, To get a face to face is 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 always a great, uh, you know bonus. Yeah. I've, uh, I, I was just reminded of that today. I got off the phone with uh, one of my athletes who lives in Manatee Springs, just mm-hmm. a few miles down the road from us. And he's going through, or he needs to go through, uh, a heat training protocol. And normally that's kind of an ordeal because you got to find a gym that's n- near your house and you got to find when it's open and then what temperature is the sauna and, you know, right, is right. it, you know, now in COVID, right. Do they have good, you know, hygiene protocols and things like that. I was like, I'll oh, just go here because I know because I live here right. and I've used that sauna and I go to that gym and I know it's clean <laughs> and I know the temperature is correct. Right. It's got all those elements. I was like, I'll oh, just go here. It's super easy. Just could, but I wouldn't have, I would, if, if I didn't live here or if I hadn't lived here for 20 years, I wouldn't have known that, but that's a really small use case. It, it really is. But we, when athletes say I have to have a coach that lives near me, I, I immediately st- immediately think to myself what what what's what's the reason for that what what's the um uh, unless you're it's a totally different type of coaching yeah it's 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 totally different financially too again let's let's not ignore that there's there's still kind of a business side to this here that um you know are you going to run with your coach three times a week for an hour or two hours each time i mean you know what do you what do you pay a therapist or even a even a personal trainer um you're 
you know, you, now you're talking $500 a week to, yeah. to, to train with a coach that lives next door to you. I, I want to go over the business side a little bit. It's probably something we weren't planning on talking about, but I think it's, I think it's interesting for the listeners to kind of peel the curtain back a little bit because it's not an industry that everybody's really all that familiar with. And we can divulge some things that I think are interesting and also uh, actionable, right? to the listeners in terms of if they're really thinking about getting a coach, like why these things like coach athlete ratios and stuff like that actually right. make a difference. But before we get to that, I kind of want to synopsize what you were just going through. The, the way that I was internalizing it is like the technical details of, I want to coach with a strength training background or a background in this type of race or a PhD in nutrition or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the course filter, the fine tuned filter is going back to the personality match and you get through that fine tune filter by first they get to the course filter. Okay. We know people who have the strength training background, nutrition background or whatever. And you almost take a polar opposites approach from the, from the, from the fine tune filter, meaning I'm going to take people who communicate in two really different ways. Cause then the choice is very obvious. Right. Uh, well, it, it, and it's, and, and it could be obvious in a way that they didn't anticipate. Yeah, usually. I, I've talked to athletes yeah. after the fact and they, and they say, you know what, going into this, I looked at this coach's profile yeah. and, and I thought for sure I was coming in and doing this, but no way I want to start working, you know, with this coach, uh, because we had such a great conversation. We communicated so well. That's who, and I, and I tell people all the time after your two consults, your choice should be simply based on that person you organically got off that call with and thought, that's who I want to talk to. Yeah, I, I think because so much of the, the it's, once again, it's kind of, I kind of have to remind myself to, to keep going over this fact. It's unique to us because we do such a good job of educating our coaches. I would say that that's, that's not universally true because of the spectrum of, education that exists across the entire coaching ecosystem and especially in trail and, and ultra running coaches where there absolutely is. And I think the listeners out there would be well served to just look at the experience, the educational level. Well, I'm going to ask you this question kind of at the end as well. When, when you need to give everybody the pitch <laughs> at the end, I don't have a pitch. So, uh, you gotta get, you gotta pitch. every sales guy's got a pitch. Right? Uh, so anyway, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll, we'll go over that later. Um, you mentioned that you wish, ath you wished athletes had more expectations coming in the door, right? Or you knew about their expectations better coming in the door. What else is on your wish list as an athlete, as the athlete services director? Uh, I wish people looked at the website before they, in. <laughs> um, here, here's my other, here's my stuff. other favorite thing, and, and that's a wish list because it literally I, I cannot, and and I would love to do the psychology on this. Every coach consult says midway through, after you've had your coach consults, here are your next steps. There are there are, there are asterisks. It's in bold letters and it's underlined and it says next steps three times a week. Three times a week. I get an email that says, I had great calls with, with the coaches, and I'm ready to sign up. What are the next steps? <laughs> this goes back to people don't read. It, well, it, it goes right back to the, the guy that, you know, 
I didn't I didn't see the arrow at, at, on course, right? Yeah, and I went off course yeah, for yeah. however long. And they're like, really? The arrow was six feet long and it was orange. And uh, anyway. <laughs> like your race director experience with yeah, that one. Yeah, exactly. Huh? <laughs> um, what are my expe- – what what would I like to see is, uh, again, I just I – just, as with anything in life, I just want to see honesty. People, I just want people yeah. to be honest about what their expectations are. And you know what? If someone, if someone was honest enough to email in and say, I want to talk to my coach five times a week, I want them to provide strength training and nutrition and everything else like that at the select package level for $197 a month, I can then be honest and say, hey, this, we don't have that. That, that doesn't exist. And Rather than get three months into it and they say, this isn't really what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's interesting when you talk about expectations because I also tell athletes the same thing I tell our coaches. And that would be our coaches have expectations too. Yeah. And, and don't be surprised if they tell you what they are. I expect you, if you don't do the workouts, tell me why you didn't. I, if, if you do do the workouts to provide me the information that I, I, I'm looking for to help you be a better athlete. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, if I ask questions, if you, if, if the athlete asks a question of the coach, they want the coach to respond. And that's, and that goes the other way. This is a two way street. Coaching has to go both ways, not just because if you're just looking for a plan, then just sign up online and get a plan. Yeah. Yeah. You know what our one of our number one coach uh, pet peeves is? What's that? It's athletes who sign up and then don't engage with the program, which I've always found really fascinating because if you look at the health club industry, that's what their model is based off of. Oh. People signing up and not going to the gym. Because if everybody showed up, they wouldn't there, they, there'd they be could, no room in the gym. Exactly. There'd be no there'd be no room in the gym. And I just I, I kind of take a little bit of pride, but I think it's also awesome that the biggest source of frustration that our coaches have are people who are underutilizing their the service. Right? They want to work harder for their athletes. They want to work harder to get them better, and it frustrates them when, for whatever reason, the athlete is just engaged. I think that's a cool like culture that uh, that, that that just exists within our within our coaching department. And I, and I, I see it come from coaches. I think you did it with me last month. Yeah. Like, hey, I haven't heard I from this guy in three weeks or, you know, and he's coming up on his on his on his next billing again, yeah. the business side of things. And uh, because I think I, I feel like I feel like the coaches, the coaches are really invested in in, in the success of their athletes. Yeah. And I think and I think it's a it's a it's a good thing that the coaches take it. They take it a little personally, like, hold on for a second. I'm, I'm supposed to be their coach. <laughs> this is going to. This guy's going to walk away one day and go, oh, yeah, I was with CTS. I didn't get anything out of it. You're like, well, did you do anything? Yeah. Um, you know, what's the uh, – I heard a great saying the other day was, don't be disappointed in the results you don't get from the work you didn't do. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and that's that's exactly what I think a, a lot of people are like, yeah, the program just didn't work for me. And I can go back into their training peaks and go, like, yeah, well, you didn't do any of your workouts. <laughs> uh, All right, so, we're, we're going to honesty. Honesty. All right, there we go. That's on Dominic's wish list, honesty. So you get, you, if, you talk, if you get a hold of Dominic, make sure that you have your expectations lined up and you're going to be honest. We'll leave it That's at it. that. All right, sweet. We tippy-toed around this enough. Let's talk about the business side of it. We'll peel the curtain back as much as you can divulge. <laughs> um, 
let's start out with so first off. CTS was founded as a cycling only company. I mean, I was the first running coach that they hired in the early 2000s. <clears throat> and for one reason or another, it's largely luck. Uh, we've kind of carved out an ultra running side of the business, which is most of the audience that's listening to this. You see everybody that comes in the door, the cyclists, the triathletes, the MMA fighters, the everybody in between give the audience a sense of like, I know you're not going to give volume, but just the breakdown of the sport groups that you see come in the door. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, of course it's primarily, it's going to be runners, cyclists and triathletes, not necessarily in that order. Um, but, uh, uh, triathlete numbers have probably, uh, decreased a bit, but that's, I think that's industry wide. Um, and, uh, you know, where at at one point it was kind of an 80-20 cyclists and runners um, uh, percent-wise. Um, now uh, we're at about 33%, uh, 32% uh, runners uh, versus cyclists. Um, you know, the, the growth in the running industry is, is, has been, been fantastic. And that's, that's all different distances, but primarily ultra running. Um, it's uh, and, and I like to a lot of times think that um, uh, I've seen that uh, ultra running is the uh, is the Iron Man of 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 the twenty twenties. <laughs> yeah, we're just making fun of Iron Man, <laughs> <laughs> and and only only in the respect where it's it's kind of that next that next that next challenge yeah, uh, yeah. for a lot of people, um, uh, I, and. Uh, but to see that, to see it happen, and we we, I'm not gonna lie, we we mine a ton of data now. Um, you know, uh, that's a bad thing. You might want to qualify that. Everybody's <laughs> <laughs> no, gonna look no, at that and just, be like, "Oh, you're stealing I, my I, personal information." No, not 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 training beaks data, um, <laughs> but just number of athletes. I and mean, we yeah, know yeah, we yeah. know how many how many athletes are, are triathletes, and um, there are very few. You know, uh, they're they're. Uh, very few that that don't fit into one category. There's a handful of others, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, the the numbers of of, of ultra running uh, athletes, you know, continues to to increase, and uh, it's a it, it's it's a good thing, and I and I think people realize the value to quality coaching. Yeah. Um, also, the space is getting so big and so mature. I mean, you've heard me say this that. I I tried to start ultra running coaching way before it actually did start, and I got laughed at all all those meetings. Yeah. They too were, soon, yeah, too soon. Exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> uh, they didn't even think it was too soon. They just thought never, you know. Right. And I I mean I mean that and without any hyperbole. Where I I worked the system and went around to the meetings and went around to the athletes and tried to you know, tried to make hay and nothing, nothing kind of came out. And I probably gave up on it for like two or three years. And for whatever reason or another, like the whole ecosystem kind of came around to this fact that, you know, coaching was a thing. And now it's like a robust, I would say it's a robust industry where there's not only single coaches out there, but also coaching groups. And interestingly enough, the other day it was, it reminds me of cycling coaching in kind of the mid 2000s in terms of its stage of maturity where there's a lot of sure. people getting into it. Right. And this, they're all being 
all of the coaches in that space are kind of being they're kind of being lifted up by the rising tide. That's not gonna last forever. And as we saw in cycling, you know, in the early or mid two thousand tens, once the once that uh, once that ecosystem starts to have a little bit of a dip, the first thing to go is the discretionary stuff, and that happens right. to be yeah, coaching. Yeah. And a lot of those cycling coaches from the early two thousands are now in a, they're in another they're in another industry. I, I think that'll happen five or seven years from now in a kind of a copy paste. But outside of that, you see the athletes kind of coming in the door. Like what trends have you seen just from them in terms of what are they requesting? Like what things are they into and what, like how, how as coaches can we help satiate that? So I, I think probably the, the biggest thing that I see and, and, and they're, you know what, they're, you know, we have the train right membership and, and that is, you know, where people buy a static plan for a 50 mile race or 50 K or a hundred mile race. And, um, and, and for some people that, that works just fine. The trend that I'm seeing is there are far more people now that are, that have more than just one run on, on their, on their schedule. Um, and they're trying to make sense of you can't have a static plan if yeah. you're doing a mountain bike race and you're hiking the Appalachian Trail and you're doing a hundred k you know a month later. Uh, a lot of people have so many different things that they're into, or they they're they're still incorporating uh, you know CrossFit, or they're still incorporating. Uh, some other type of strength training into uh, there. There are very few athletes anymore that are really one dimensional. And it's uh, I, I would say that that's, that's probably the biggest thing that I see um, consistently um, now is, is the athletes that are doing um, it's really interesting to see how many ultra runners have gone uh, by way of uh, testing out gravel riding oh, for instance, yeah, for cycling. Yeah. I mean, I mean, thank Corinne, you, Corinne's thank been doing, you Tony yeah. Kapritska for that uh, <laughs> phenomenon, bringing that to the forefront. You know what? It's, it's that same, it, it, it's, it's a, it's, it's become a recovery yeah, yeah. Uh, type of thing. And they still feel like they're out on trails. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they're still in the dirt and they're not still as technical as mountain biking. So they don't hurt themselves. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could probably get myself in trouble on a gravel bike, but, um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's been a really interesting um, kind of crossover that and that and I think they see a lot of uh, a lot of the same components of that real challenge. I mean, look at the you know the black course on SBT is it's 140 miles of, yeah. of gravel riding. It's not a 50 mile road ride that you can just get on somebody's wheel and yeah. and and kind of. I, I'm not taking away any, anything away from people that are doing that, but. I'm saying it's similarities to the the, the challenge of, of of ultra running, the challenge of it's not a smooth course. It's it it, it changes throughout, and you're you're outdoors, you're in, uh, you know, you're in the mountains, you're uh, those type of things that are uh, really common. That they, those are the common things that they have. Do you think uh, a, a little bit of a byproduct of that though is the fact that there are now a lot of static programs that you can find in trail and ultra running. And that's kind of satiated that 
one race market. Like I'm training for this 50k, and I just want, I just, I just want to just tell me what to do, right? Which is the right. prototypical static training plan uh, audience. And so you're just not seeing that because they have enough to choose from. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, they, they're they're already buying. They're already they're already buying that plan, or they're always signing up yeah. for the for the train right membership. Yeah. Um, we do have uh, we do have a lot of again. There's 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 more data in there somewhere of how many athletes come on with the train right membership, which in the past was time current cyclist. Yeah, yeah. The number of athletes yeah. that we have that continue to come in and say, "I've been doing time current cyclist programs <laughs> for years, and it's time, it's time for me to actually talk to a coach and kind of take it to the I, again. I hate these terms, but take it to the next level um, and and get a coach. Um, but you know, their feeling is if I've had some success just with some direction. Yeah. How about if I have, have someone who can tell me, well, you missed those two workouts last week. Here's how you change it up next week. And to really kind of peak for, again, when you start adding more than one event, uh, you know, if you have a 12 week plan, what if in the middle of those 12 weeks, you're doing three other events? Yeah. You know what? I've always said it makes a difference after three to five years because you can get away and continue to improve just physiologically yeah. By doing the same thing over and over and over without any sort of over-contrived manipulation or overarching architecture or anything like that. And you can improve for about three to five years. And then after that three to five year period, you start to stagnate. And then it's like, well, now what do I do? I can't do yeah. the time crunch cyclist program or whatever the running equivalent of, sure. of it is another year and expect the exact same results. I've got to do something different and I don't know how to contrive it in any other way. I've always thought that that's a byproduct of that right there. So... I, I think I think you saying that is is also something that I want to bring up about coaching, and that would be, um, I don't, I don't care if your coach is Jason Coop. Uh, after three or four years, and often it happens, athletes come. Some people do it every year, which I think is a little excessive. But we'll come in and say, "Listen, I love my coach. Just need I just." I just need a different perspective yeah, yeah. and to work with another coach. Again, we're all, all of our coaches work with the same f- coaching philosophy. Um, you're, you're not, you're not having somebody go from one method to a completely different yeah. um, method, but uh, to get a different perspective uh, to get, um, you know, every coach has a, has a different hack to kind of, you know, get through something, whether it's, you know, whether it's, it's, it's shoes or pacers or, or aid stations, um, or, or nutrition, but um, just kind of freshen things up. Um, and athletes will come to us all the time. Like, and I, and they'll say, I've talked to my coach about it. They totally agree. And I just want to talk to a couple other coaches and, and see, you know, if there's, there's somebody else out there uh, just to keep things fresh. Um, so uh, I, if people are doing that with humans, let alone yeah. uh, a plan that's written in, uh, in the back of a book. So let's pivot a little bit. Yeah peel back the curtain some more on the business side. Cause people ask me this stuff all the time. I don't think you guys realize that. Like people are like honestly starting to get really curious about this. Nobody used to give a shit about like the inner oh. workings until like the last couple of years. Now for whatever reason, I get asked about this a lot, of, a lot of times. Um, so we try to have like a product scope, right? 
where we have different coaching packages. We have different coaching levels. And I'll give you the opportunity to like give the pitch, whatever your pitch is later. You <laughs> said you don't have one. I know you got one in your back pocket somewhere. It's probably written down on an index card. <laughs> but fundamentally, why do those things matter? Like why does the coach delineation from what we call expert senior and pro, pro premier coach, right? In terms of our coach rack and stack, how, you know, how experienced they are or whatever. Right. Why does like what fundamentally, why does that matter? Why does it matter to the athlete yeah. or why does it matter to <sighs> like, why does it matter? So you're talking to me, you hurt my feelings. I don't care. Right. <laughs> I've known you for long enough. Why would it matter if somebody were working with me versus somebody who we just hired and trained? Let's face it. I mean, experience is important. Um, your your experience, your ability to look at something immediately based on I've dealt with hundreds of athletes that have, have, have faced this and come up with an immediate response based on your experience. Um, there's there's a value to that. There's there's value um, that that people can pay for or will pay for um, based on that experience. Um, regardless of what's in some of those packages, whether there's a nutrition service or a strength training service, um, or they get money off of a camp or response time. I, and I, and I tell people often, they'll say, I want to work with, okay, you know, Jason Coop or, or uh, John Fitzgerald or, and I tell them, they, they only work at, you know, premium or the ultimate package and above. And they'll go, okay, well, I don't, I don't need all those services. And I'm like, I understand that, but you want that coach. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, if, if you want a Mercedes, sometimes, you know, like, oh, I don't, I don't need the backup camera and I don't need the, you know, the, you know, the, the extra cylinders or the, you know, no, you want the Mercedes, you're going to pay more for that, that product. That's that again, we can, we can dance around it all we want. There's, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's still some, uh, uh, there's, there's still, uh, you know, supply and demand. Well, on, that's exactly on, where I was going to. It, p- it pairs up with another element that you mentioned earlier, which is supply and demand, which is kind of dictated by the coach to athlete ratio, right? That each coach works right. with. And we have a model of both full-time coaches and independent contractors, but even across both of those models, they're kind of modulated by, what, how many athletes are they going to eventually take on right. and how are they going to monetize that? There's kind of no other way around it. And as you were starting to allude to earlier, you know, if you want the Mercedes in our, in our analogy, there's only so many Mercedes available, right? Right. Because they've reached that, they've reached that level. But, and I'm wondering if you can articulate because I've tried to do this a lot, and for whatever reason, it seems to kind of fall on deaf ears. Why is it important for coaches to keep their athlete count in check? And I ask you this because I know you know both how both sides of that coin work, right. meaning there's a right amount of athletes so that the coach can develop and earn a living and you know serve their athletes the best. They're engaged in the process. But then there's also a too much where it goes over to the other side. So 
I wonder if you can kind of articulate that for the audience. Like why is that balance or that, that coach to athlete ratio important without getting into too much specifics of, I think, cause I've, I've been public with, I think whatever the right ratio is, but you can kind of right. dance around I, that. If I, you I want think, to. I think there's, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of different um, parts to that, but the, the main thing comes down to their ability to deliver quality service or a quality product, if you will. And if, if a coach has too many athletes that they can't, they don't have the time um, to, to, to do the research for the athlete, to not have time to spend with the athlete, then what ends up happening is the athlete's not happy. Um, maybe, they're, they're, maybe they're not mad, yeah, but yeah. they just, they they're know. not, they're, they they just know that they're not um, they're not getting what what they expect and, um, and and they eventually back off and what ends up happening is this coach now that had let's just call it twenty five athletes um, they're constantly going back and forth between fifteen athletes twenty two athletes seventeen athletes twenty five athletes and they're constantly onboarding new athletes which takes a lot of work. Yeah. There's a lot more work in that first three months to six months in, you know, building a program, getting to know the athlete and so forth. And within that, with all that additional work on trying to bring their athlete load, if you will, up to 25, which becomes this, you know, maybe where they, um, you know, they can still pay their bills and, and do those things. Again, there's, there's, this is, this is all still real world stuff where people have to, you know, they're, they're making our coaches make a living, off of coaching. Um, very few of our coaches have that is, this is just a, a, a part-time job that they just have five athletes. Um, so this is where they're making a living and they need to maintain a certain number of athletes. And when doing that, if you're constantly dropping athletes, um, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty for the coach and, and it, it has to, it has to come out in the coaching that gets provided to the athletes that are, that are there all the time. The make a living part is really important there for two reasons. <clears throat> the first one is when you're making your living from it, you sure as shit are going to have your stuff dialed because the, if you go from in your example, 25 to 17 athletes, you go from putting bread on the table to not being able to put bread on the table. Right. When you're doing it as a side hustle, you're an elite athlete and you're getting money from your sponsors or you got a shoe store and you're, you know, kind of doing it on the side. You kind of don't care because it's kind of like, not, I know that yeah. that sounds flippant. They care about the people, but you don't really care about the product that you're delivering, or at least the incentive isn't there for you to care about the product that you're de delivering because you're looking at it as kind of gravy, you know, Yeah. In a, lot, in a lot of cases. But the second thing, and I think that this is, not as intuitive to understand is that when you're doing it for a living and you constantly have a higher athlete load that you can manage with a high level of quality, that increases your experience and your efficacy dramatically. And we see this with I see, and we see this in our coaching eco, our coach, own coaching ecosystem, and I see it outside as well. Where the coaches that are working with forty athletes constantly, they have they are twice as good 
as the number of the as the coaches that are working with 20 athletes for the same period of time. So I'm working with 40 athletes after two years, I'm going to be twice as good as that coach over there that's only working with 20 athletes for two years. And that's just because you have two times more experience. You take any job, any repetition, that's going to be ru- like roughly true. I'm not going to say that there's not a point of diminishing returns, right. but that professionalism, I think, goes a, it goes a long, long way in producing a high quality product, in my opinion, or high quality service, in my opinion, because of because of those two aspects that just forward feed this investment notion. And, and then let's face it, and this carries over into every industry. If you're a financial professional, um, if you're I don't, I don't know, a mechanic, it doesn't matter. The better you get, you then can demand more money, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but also by demanding more money at higher package levels, um, and we've had this conversation lots of times, you take on less athletes. Yeah. Not so much, not just because you, you've, you've reached a, a financial um, uh result that you're looking for, but also at that higher level, those athletes, um, require more attention. It takes, it takes more time to coach a, a, of your time to coach a premium or or an ultimate athlete that has more communication, uh, more frequent data analysis, um, more time planning, you know, uh, on the phone with them than it does a select athlete. So a coach can handle more select athletes than they can those higher level athletes. And, um, yeah, when you talk about pulling back the curtain, yes, we, we have coaches that only work with athletes at a, at a certain level, um, because they've, 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 they've earned that from their, from their experience and, um, uh, and, and the, the desire for, for athletes to want to work with them. Um, there, we have multiple coaches that, Athletes reach out all the time. I want to work with this athlete. Tell me a business. Tell me a business that does not look at that and say, oh, I, I can charge more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, exactly. I mean, again, if, if yeah, you can yeah. you can call it what you want. You can say, oh, I can't believe that they're, they're requiring that much. Well, tell me your business and tell me that you don't say. For whatever reason, though, and this is what I mentioned earlier, this is one of the aspects that I – that I see in the ultra running side that I saw in the cycling side in the mid two thousands where coaches are constantly underpaying themselves. Nobody's forcing them to do it. They can set their own prices because by and large, they're, you know, people hanging a shingle out there, but they feel that as if they can, they want to compete on price. Right. And all that is, is just the proverbial race to the bottom. Right. Because there's always somebody down the street that's going to do it for $10 a month less. And that person's going to do it for $5 less than that person. This person's going to do it for $250 less than the person before. I'm like, you guys, everybody can kind of like play that game to a certain extent, but it does a disservice to the entire coaching ecosystem when people are constantly doing that because you, you can only handle so many people. And I found that when I talk to people out in the space, like the actual athletes that are signing up, the people that are curious about coaching, they have a, they have an intuitive feel for the work, like how much the work product actually takes. Meaning if you told somebody this coach spends 20 hours a week coaching and they work with 40 people, they're immediately going to go, oh, they're only spending 20 or 30 minutes per person. 
they, they, and they can figure that out and they right. know what that product is going to be. Oh, if I get on the phone with that person for 15 minutes for one week, they only have 15 more minutes to look at my files, analyze the data, answer an email, right. do research on the race, like all these other things. And then it starts to not make sense or it does make sense if they have that ratio kind of in line. That's been enlightening to, to really see unfold, like the light bulbs kind of go off when I explain or when they've asked other coaches like, oh, so-and-so coaches this many people and so-and-so coaches that many people and this athlete over there who trains 30 hours a week coaches 30 people and I know that they only right. spend 10 hours a week coaching or whatever. They've got a, they, they seem like they've got a good feel for it, I guess is what I'm saying. What, what, what's interesting from the business side of things is how different it is for a company like CTS versus the – uh, the the lone coach that has his own shingle um, that coaches on his own um, because uh, although there's there's time now for that coach there are other twenty hours is chasing down credit cards marketing social media because uh, if you're if you're not doing social media today you're there, there's no way and that's one of it's let's face it it's one of the reasons why um. CTS has has the strength that we have and the coaches that want to be there that are willing to say, okay, you know, CTS is taking in X and I get, you know, X minus whatever those expenses are because I tell, I say this to athletes all the time. We let our coaches just coach. And when an athlete says, Hey, I, I had an injury. I need to go on hold or I need to take right, change my credit card. They go, Okay, great. I've copied athlete services on this and we take care of that. And our coaches just coach. Our coaches aren't chasing credit cards. They're not trying to, to, to post things. They don't have to post things on social media to, to gain new athletes. Um, we get athletes coming in the door on a daily basis. I sent out nine coach consults today. So 18 coaches got coach consults today in all different sports, but if you're doing that on your own, even 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 as lot. even as you who has who lot. has the presence and a yeah. book and so forth, you're not bringing that number of athletes in. Yeah. You're, you're you're just not. Um, there there are only so many athletes out there that are looking for a coach, let alone know of you, want to hear you know, uh, and and want to consider you know paying for for coaching. So um, that is a huge huge amount of time that they don't have to spend. And they're just spending with their athletes. Um, it makes them and, better coaches. Yeah, that, and, they, mean, and fun, that, fundamentally, and that, it makes them better coaches. And, and that extra time that they get to spend again, we're, we'll we'll probably talk about this uh, in a little bit. But the amount of time that our coaches spend together, yeah, on the phone, on Zoom calls, doing continuing eds and exchanging information about athletes, new technologies, training methodologies, uh, events. That is that is a a value that you you're just not finding with um with you know the lone wolf out there. Um, you're cut. You're uh, segueing into the next thing, which I was gonna say. Just give me the pitch. You're already doing it. See, I told you you had it in your back pocket, uh, <laughs> in your index card or whatever. You just have to, I'm gonna pull out this speech about you know how our coaches just coach and all this. Is it really like when you have when you have athletes come in the door and they're like, listen. 
I want to go with CTS and my, and I'm also talking to coach X outside of CTS yeah. and coaching group Y. What do you tell them? I, 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 most, most of them know. And, and it's interesting because the, the most popular response that I see for coaches or at, for athletes that come in to CTS and their reason for it is I feel like I'm not getting one coach. I feel like I'm getting a whole team of coaches and that is absolutely true. And you sit through every one of those over those, you know, the journaling calls, the, the, the continuing ads that with all of those coaches where a coach will bring up, Hey, listen, I've got this athlete who's got this issue or that issue, or they have their training for this. And that you now have this team of people who, who can kind of, you know, turn their, their, their virtual chair around and, and ask the coach behind them. Um, and I often wonder what, what do other coaches do that are, that are out there on their own? Are they just, are they just Googling things and saying, wow, I, you know, I have an athlete who's, you know, who's not hydrating properly, even though he's, he's in taking, you know, he's taking in this much stuff. Like where else do they go? Do you, are they just Googling it and, and accepting, you know, whatever information they come or, or just, you know, reading white papers constantly. And, and I just, we have so much information to draw from. It is, it is such a cool thing to see. And it is the, it is the one singular thing that has kept me at CTS has been our coaches and their, their communication with each other and support for each other. It is, it is really one of the coolest things that there is to see and, and how, how they operate together and, and share information um, about athletes and technology. And um, you know, some of them are huge nerds that, um, you know, that, that others will, will feed off of. Well, and it takes time to develop that. I think that's what actually is not appreciated a lot is that you can't just get a group of people in a room and expect them all to be better because they're only going to be slightly better than the sum of their parts. Right. And if you don't have people that have 15 or 20 years experience in the room, it's hard to really raise all those ships because you know, you have this proverbial learning model where it's learn one, do learn one, do one, teach one. I want to make sure I cut the right, right order, right? There's a big gap between doing one and teaching one, a huge gap. The proficiency that you need to have coaching is enormous so that you could pass it down to the next person. Yeah. And I was really fortunate in my early part of my coaching career where you know, the chair that I could turn around was to people like Dean Golich, who had, you know, maybe 50 Olympic and world championship medals underneath his purvey. JT Kearney, who had, you know, 40 years of experience working at the Olympic Training Center with thousands of athletes across many different sports. Ed Burke, who was one of the pioneers of exercise physiology, particularly in the, in the, in the endurance. And I could go on and on and on and on and on. And I'm not saying that that's necessary, but that sure as heck blunted the learning curve for me. You know, I mean, that made it 
tremendous because I I knew what I could I knew the information that I that I could get was so valuable. But more importantly, they were such good teachers, right? They wouldn't just give me the answer. They'd be like, "Go look it up." That, that's could, that's what that's what to me is so impressive about our coaches is that they are always willing to share that information with the other coaches. Yeah. There's there's never been a time again nine and a half years. There's never been a time where I've heard a coach go, "Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to reach out to." you know, this new coach and, and answer any questions for them. Yeah. You know, I get athletes from other coaches, their, their coaches delete their training. Isn't that crazy? They what? They're, they're, so I get athletes, not from other coaches within CTS, but other coaches outside of CTS. After they're done coaching them? After they're done coaching them, they'll delete their training or they'll delete their coach comments. It's like the first time I saw it, I was like, what? I was like, really? Like you just, like your training's nuked? Like you don't have like a record of it. And he's like, no, they nuked the spreadsheet or whatever. I was like, that's the most bizarre thing ever. Anyway, that's another aside. I'll give you a really good story. I think you've heard this from uh, Adam Polford, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, but I'll, I'll tell it in the first person. So Training Peaks has this coaching summit every year that they either hold in Boulder or they hold in England. Sometimes they hold it somewhere else in Europe. And it's a, it's a very, very high quality coaching summit. Um, they bring in the best of the best. I've spoken there on the kind of the business side of things. Corinne's spoken there on the environmental side of things. And th they just bring fantastic speakers. They usually have a couple hundred of uh, coaches from all different types and all different experience levels uh, come to a, a physical conference every single year and discuss anything from the latest technology to physiology to the business side to psychology, like you kind of name it. Right. It's a really, really well done uh, conference and, and hats off to Training Peaks for being able to orchestrate that because it is a value add in the, in the industry and more coaches should, uh, should go to it. But anyway, we have this, um, we have this kind of permanent piece of architecture within our coach development system that's kind of become like one of the like the fundamental anchors of it and that's the schedule review and all it is is how it's described you put an athlete schedule on the screen and the rest of the coaches in the virtual room or the physical room get to kind of scrutinize it and tear it apart and it's a it's a it's a pretty critical process not pretty cool it's a very critical process um, and, and deliberately so it's very, it's meant to kind of like forge the fire and the predominant theme of that fire forging is why, why are you doing what you are doing? Why is that recovery run run one hour? Why is it not 40 minutes? Why is it in an hour and a half? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you have to be able to justify every little bit and piece of it. And some of those bits and pieces are material and some of them are, are immaterial. But when you're forced to do that with people that are way better than you, it makes you a much a much better coach, but it is a kind of an excruciating process, particularly for our new coaches. And it it doesn't it doesn't hurt the fact that we've kind of like built it up over the course right, of the right. years. So anyway, we're at this Training Peaks conference, and uh, we're we're sitting down at lunch, and this coach comes up and, and goes, "Hey, do you guys actually do this schedule review where you put?" athletes training up on a projector or a slide or whatever, and everybody else gets to tear it apart. Like it's become this myth. 
like outside of the company because for whatever reason, you know, we have did, all these coaches. Did you respond to him with, yeah, I've totally made people cry before. Yeah, well, no, I, I, <laughs> somebody threw a computer one time. No, no kidding. She uh, is like her, I don't know, a couple of weeks within job or whatever. And we weren't being any harder to her than anybody else. And it, it, it by no means was unfair for, it was not unfair. Let me put it that way. She got so frustrated, she threw her computer against the wall, which she didn't own her computer at the time. It was a company <laughs> computer. She picked it up, threw it against the wall, it smashed into 100 pieces, and I think she left in a couple of weeks or whatever. But needless to say, <laughs> the the process that you mentioned, it's um, both enlightening for the coaches because we all get to learn from each other, but it's also very deliberately difficult because that level of scrutiny is ultimately one of the things that the athletes can take advantage of the most because our coach has confidence in whatever they're, they've been prescribed because it's been through the fire. Right. And, and I tell people all the time, you, you've, you've, got, you've got to believe me that just to get in the door is challenging enough for what's on paper. And then after that, you have to go through this process. Not everybody to, makes it through. No. No, not everybody makes it through. And those those that do. And that's one of the reasons why, even though there's times where we bring on new coaches, um, I have such confidence in those coaches and their ability to deliver coaching that it, it is going to benefit the athlete, that it doesn't always have to be, you know, your coach doesn't have to be Jason Coop, John Fitzgerald, Stephanie Howe, Corinne Malcolm. Like they don't have to be this name that you've heard on podcasts or has won events and so forth. They, you, you have to know that the coach that you're going to get um, is, and, and it's, I've been around long enough now that I can see the new superstars that are kind of yeah. coming through. I mean, on a, on a daily basis, I, I, I talk about Ryan Anderson and yeah. just, and, and just the quality of, of all of our coaches between Neil and Michelle and just Nicole Rasmussen. I'm there, the quality of, of, of the coaches and the, the, the commitment that they have to continuing to become better coaches um, is it's, it's really impressive. And it, it's not just, Again, it's 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 not just lip service. Again, I, it it's uh, it's so cool to see, and I, and I know that you continue to. If you didn't see it, you know you you couldn't continue to do this either. Oh no, is, they're light years. I tell I tell those guys and gals this all the time. They're light years ahead, literally light years ahead of where I was at their stage of development. Like so far, it's just absolutely incredible. So as much as I would kind of like gush over the. Dean Golliches and the JT Kearneys and things like that, for whatever reason, that that education and that development continues to snowball year after year after year. Even though I'm not nearly as good as they, you know, as the, me at my stage of development is not nearly as good as they are at their same stage. For whatever reason, we produce these coaches. Like John is, he's a better coach than I am right now. You know, let's just kind of face it. I mean, he's kind of gone through the scrutiny and gone through the fire, and he doesn't get nearly enough credit for 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 how good he is. And that's cool to see, you know. Yeah. And we don't have to take it in from a competitive standpoint. You know, it's just like what's good for the goose is what's good for the good for the gander. But I just I think it's cool shit to see because I never dreamed of it being that good. And, and it's it's cool now too that we have there's some structure to it as well with having a coaching director 
um, you know, in, in, in Chantel, yeah. that's, that's really pulling all of this together and pulling these minds together and sharing the information. And, uh, like I said, it's a fun process to see and keeping in mind from that business side, our coaches are just coaching again. Yeah. They're not, they're not collecting money and, you know, and, and, and chasing credit cards down. And, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's a uh, it's a cool situation to be in. We we ended up leaving the pitch a little bit pitchier than I thought we were going to be. Oh, that's cool. People will deal with it. Was that the, <laughs> the pitch oh. is a little bit pitchier than I thought it was going to be? Yeah, you know what? I didn't. I didn't. I'm not throwing, you know, coupon codes and stuff out there. So. <laughs> Hashtag Dominic twenty yeah, for no, twenty percent no, off. No, we haven't no, discounted no. coaching in like forever. No, because we don't need to. No, no. It's it it is it's it, it's 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 worth it. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so it's, uh, it's like I said, it's, it's fun to see. And I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy talking to the athletes. Don't ever, don't ever hesitate scheduling a call with me. It's, it's, it's in my signature. It's, it's what I'm, it's what I'm here for. All right. I we're like going to talk to everybody. We're going to leave it at that. Cause it's nice outside. And I know you want to go ride your bike. Yes, I do. Where, <laughs> very, very confirmational answer there. <laughs> uh, where can athletes reach out to you with all of their newfound expectations and honesty that they're going to come to the table with Dominic. Uh, when you go on to trainwright.com, uh, it's going to pop up. It's going to say schedule a coach consultation. You want to click on that button, fill out that form and it'll give you all the opportunities to, to, uh, uh, to share all your information. We'll set you up with two different coaches to talk to. You get to test drive a couple different. You get to interview your coach cool. before you even uh, before you sign up. Um, you talk to him for 15, 20 minutes, um, and just just see if that you know talk about your dog, talk about what's coming up. <laughs> be honest, um, yeah, and just be honest. Um, let us know what you're looking for. Um, my name will typically be on the uh, in the signature of that that email. And you can always schedule a call with me um, if you if you want to talk about things uh, um, as we go through the process. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Rock and roll. Thanks for peeling back the curtain. Dogs barking at just the perfect time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to go for a ride too. Yeah, <laughs> man. Insatiable that dog. Thanks, man. Right on. Thank you for doing what you do, man. You make all of our coaches' jobs a lot easier, so we can do what we can do. Awesome. All right, folks, there you have it. There you go. Much thanks to Dominic for coming back on the podcast and talking all about what makes the best coach-athlete relationships out there. I know there are a lot of trail and ultra runners right now that are looking at their calendars. They're looking at all these audacious events in front of them, and they're thinking, how am I going to tackle this all? And if you think that coaching is part of that solution, we would absolutely love to help you out. You can hit me up on social media or you, if you want to talk directly to Dominic, you're just listening to him for the last hour. You can find him at trainright.com. In any case, I appreciate the heck out of each and every one of the listeners. If you like this podcast, please feel free to share it on social media or share it with your training partners. As always, this podcast comes to you ad-free and sponsorship-free, and that is my commitment to the audience to bring you the most unadulterated content that is out there in the podcast space today. I made that promise at the beginning of starting this podcast, and I'm going to continue to make it to you each and every single week. And so if you could share this podcast, it'd mean a lot to me personally. As always, you guys, 
We will see you out on the trails.